the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining the conversation. This is the show where we do our very best every single episode to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. As we know, culture is changing all of the time. (laughs) We have these moments like the one we're in right now where it seems like every day something new is coming at us and we're trying to figure it out, trying to navigate and understand. And it's great to be able to have guests on that can help us break this down. This last week, we saw the passage of what is being called the Respect for Marriage Act. This is an act that has been passed Uh, that, at least on its face, was designed to protect same-sex marriage. Uh, There are many other issues related to it and connected to it, but that is the heart of the Respect for Marriage Act, and there are many, of course, as you can imagine, in the Christian community that are saying that this does anything but that. We don't properly understand marriage if we think that this is protecting marriage or if this is showing respect for marriage. This is a troubling move in part because of the many Christian leaders who came out recently in support of this. It's very confusing. It's hard to understand, and we need to be clear on these issues. Uh, There are some issues that are central to our ability as Christian people in our nation to continue moving forward. We have to understand them. We have to be able to articulate them. And we have to know where we stand. And today we have uh, really a fantastic guest on who is going to help break this down for us. Our guest today is Troy Miller. Troy serves as the CEO of the National Religious Broadcasters Association, NRB. And uh, we talk about that a little bit as we come to the end of this interview. Um, Incredible organization. And, And again, we'll talk about that in the interview. Troy is a senior executive with more than 30 years of management and business experience. He served six years with Coral Ridge Ministries, three of those as the executive vice president and chief operating officer, focusing on strategic direction and planning. He is also currently the president and CEO of NRB TV, where he wants, uh, where he has served since June of 2005. Also, a veteran of the United States Navy and someone who has spent much of his life talking about the integration of information technology, organizational development, and Christian apologetics. He has spent time teaching pastors and other ministry leaders. He understands this issue and so many issues so well in terms of how they impact the Christian community. I am very glad to be able to share this conversation with you, with our guest, Troy Miller. Before we jump into that, though, um, I would imagine if you've been to the grocery store recently, you've noticed that things are more expensive. Gas is more expensive. It doesn't matter where you live in this country. Things are more expensive. The economy, our economic future is uncertain. And we have to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we can do to protect our financial future for our families, for our children? What can we do personally? Uh, One of the things I would recommend is at least considering 
adding gold and silver into your IRA, your investment accounts. Take a look, figure out how to do that, and see if that is the right fit for you. The place that you can start is with Lear Capital. Call Lear Capital, and you can get their free precious metals investor guide. You can also ask them about their Lear Advantage IRA that lets you transfer or roll over your old 401k or IRA into a gold and silver tax advantage IRA. Plus, Lear is offering right now crazy shipping, uh, free shipping, and up to $15,000 in bonus gold or silver with a qualified purchase. This is something you at least need (laughs) to take a look at. You can call for details, 800-489-6450. Lear Capital is the most rated precious metals company on consumer affairs with a near-perfect rating on Trustpilot. Call them at 800-489-6450. That is 800-489-6450. Calling that number, you will get your free kit and there you will learn how gold has performed during periods of inflation government debt interest rate hikes economic crashes even wars and how in all of those gold has been the financial bedrock asset in portfolios Uh, one of the things i love about lear capital is that they are an american-owned company proud to do business with americans that share conservative values write this number down 800-489-6450 call them today or if you don't want to call you can click the link below in the show description and the show notes check them out you will do yourself a great service by at least investigating lear and what they have to offer Troy, thank you for joining me today. Really appreciate your time. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. We are um, going to discuss an extremely important issue, the uh, Respect for Marriage Act. And I want to get into a lot of the nuance around it, why it's important, why it's significant, what it means. Um, But I'd love to start kind of at the beginning (laughs) by talking about marriage. Um, I remember it was years and years ago when uh, we were first really talking about um, homosexual marriage and same-sex marriage and legal protections for those things. I remember when that was the discussion, I was sitting on the couch next to my dad. My dad pastored for over 30 years. And I remember asking him, dad, why is this important? Like, why do we even care about this? Let people do what they want to do. We're Christians. Marriage means something different to us than other people. But why do we even care? And he explained that to me and talked about that. But I think now, particularly with how prevalent discussions around gender issues and uh, the homosexual movement, all these things, how prevalent they become, how culturally accepted they've become, a lot of Christian people are going, why do we even care about this? So I'd love to just start there. (laughs) Why do we care about this issue? Not, Not the Respect for Marriage Act, not what's happening legally, but why do we care what other people do? I think we care for a few reasons, okay? You know, I had the privilege of working for the late Dr. D. James Kennedy, who who was just a stalwart theologian in this area. Dr. Kennedy used to talk about this all the time. He said, look, in, in the Bible, right from the beginning, the institution that God put in place first was the institution of marriage. You know, he put Adam and Eve together. It was a husband and a wife. 
procreating, creating a family, and that's the bedrock of society. And so, so I think from that aspect, I think we care, Christians should care about it greatly because this is an ordinance or ordained and initiated by God. So from, from Christians should really care about this. As a culture, we should care about it because, again, the family is the bedrock of culture. Uh, if you look in areas of our culture that have so many problems, it's areas where the family has kind of been decimated. Fatherless homes, single mothers, uh, those areas. Uh, you look at statistic after statistic that comes out and it says if you come out of a fatherless home, a single mother home, or even a motherless home, you are more likely to be involved in crime, drugs, and other illicit kind of activities. So as a, as a bedrock and a foundation to our society, families are important to us. That's one aspect. Of it. The second aspect of it, and why do we care particularly about homosexual marriage and the same-sex marriages, it's a slippery slope. Mm. So I'm old enough to remember uh, this debate back in the 1980s when it started, yeah. uh, leading all the way up to the Defense of Marriage Act that was signed in 1997 uh, by then-Democratic President Bill Clinton. And the, the whole premise around the dis- defining and signing of that act, that bipartisan act, was the fact that that again, families were the bedrock of society and that should be protected. So so we won't go from that from 97. We move all the way up to the Ogerfeld decision in 2015, I think it was, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where, where the Supreme Court strikes down the Defense of Marriage Act. So, so that took us from 97 to, to 2015, almost 20 years, uh, 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 over to almost 20 years for that to happen. And then we went from that now to 2022 and that, yeah, we're going to talk about the Defense of Marriage Act and same-sex marriage, but now what are we fighting? Now we're fighting transgenderism in elementary schools in just a little over five years, a little over seven years. And that's the slippery slope Dr. Kennedy used to refer to in society when these issues kind of keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Again, as as a young person, I remember hearing, Christian leaders talk about the slippery slope and talking about how, well, if we start here, then this is where we're going to end up. And everyone's kind of like, you're crazy. That'll never happen. Pedophilia, that will never be normalized. We'll never be having those conversations. Transgenderism, that will never be something that's mainstream. And here we are. Can you talk a little bit to that? How do we, as a society, go from these are fringe issues that are happening over there to where now we have the Mormon church? We have uh, so-called Christian leaders and others defending the Respect for Marriage Act. How how do we—the slippery slope, that makes sense as an analogy, but how do we get here? How does that happen? Yeah, and Dr. Kenny used to say, the farther you get down the slope, the faster you start to slip. Yeah, man, it seems that way. And it certainly does seem that way because, like like you said— I think you hit on it there. Part of it was what you said was there were a lot of pastors back in the 90s, a lot of a, a lot of evangelical kind of voices back in the 90s, early 2000s that were like, oh, this will never happen. You know, we've signed yeah. the Defense of Marriage Act. Yeah. It's in law now. This is all protected. And we kind of put it in the in the in the back room. You know, we kind of said, look, this, this will never happen. It's not going to happen. 
um, and pastors really stop talking about it. And I think it really falls on our pulpits and it falls on our kind of Christian leaders to to realize that these issues are important. That's how you started the whole conversation. And we have to talk about that. So that's what really got the slope moving forward. And yeah. and like you said, it's not, I mean, we deal at NRB here with all of these issues, but we've gone from same-sex marriage to transgenderism in, by the way, elementary schools, yeah. Yeah. not transgenderism with adults. We're talking about elementary schools. We're talking about three, five-year-olds all the way up to 10, 12, 13-year-olds uh, uh, here in, in elementary schools. And then, as you said, you've alluded to, there have been a number of, of sort of, we call them feeler cases out there for pedophilia, uh, for polygamy, uh, for uh, people relationships with animals. It's just, it's just really kind of crazy, the world we live in. Troy, can you, I'm completely taking this off topic, but this is so important because we're not having these conversations. And I don't think any of us understand this. I've got kids. I've got two adult kids and two teenage kids. Um, I'm looking down the road and, and honestly, my head starts to hurt when I think about the issues that we're dealing with now, but what they'll be dealing with later. I was reading an article yesterday in my trail runner magazine. So I, I, I like to run trails and I enjoy that. I get trail runner magazine to whatever, cause I'm interested in it. The main article in the magazine that came out this last week was about, um, non-binary athletes and how they should be more included. We should be more inclusive as a running community. And I just shrugged. Like I, I've never one time had the thought, like we need to exclude anyone from running, right? But this is the cultural push to normalize what we as Christians, as those who view the world from a biblical perspective, uh, would say is anti-God, is... Um, perverted behavior. We could frame that a lot of different ways. Why is this the issue, sexuality and gender? Why is this the issue that culture is pushing so hard right now? What is it about this particular issue that is the one they, that is culture outside of God and the church, um, want to hang on to and want to push? You know, that's a, that's a great question. I'm not sure I have the complete answer to that question. But, you know, if we go back to the Bible and we look at the Bible, uh, you know, Solomon told us there's nothing new under the sun, right? Um, yeah. You know, this this yeah. was an issue that Moses wrote about in, in the Pentateuch. You know, he had to write about this issue all, all the way back mm. uh, then. So it's just there's some propensity in our heart. Um, there, there's a, there's a, we, we all know the, the depravity of man. So there's a propensity in our heart to, to incline in this direction. And it really, the grace of God is what's kept us as a society, which keeps us focused and that check and balance, you know, that accountability we have. And that's what laws help us do. They help us keep that accountability and keep that check and balance. But, you know, we've seen that erode since the sexual revolution of the 60s. We've just seen that continual erosion here. And now I think we're seeing the fruits of that. And and you bring up a great point because the, the one thing that's, that's interesting, I saw a study just the other day. If you look at the different generations, so the baby boomers are the oldest generation living right now. Mm-hmm. They have about a 1% same-sex homosexuality rate amongst the baby boomers. Wow. Move that down to the X generation. That's the next generation. That's the generation I'm part of. Move that to the next generation. They have just about a 1.8%. So just a slight increase in the X generation. You move that to millennials, 
and millennials jumped to something like 7% uh, in some studies, and you move that to Gen Z, so that's your kind of teenage to young adult generations, and that jumps to 13%. So why is that? Why do you think that is? Well, it's this prevalence of the fact that we've normalized it. The yeah. fact that we've normalized it, not yeah. only have we normalized it, but you take entertainment across the country today, Hollywood and such, Hollywood has glamorized it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know, young people are influential. And you, you put that on the fact that we've been slowly moving away from being a Christian nation. There's a gap to be filled, and, and this is a gap that's coming in there. What scares me on this particular issue is the fact that the Bible is very clear on God's plan, his establishment of the home, um, the man and woman in marriage for life. This is principally throughout the Old Testament. It's affirmed and um, re-emphasized in the New Testament. This is not from a biblical perspective confusing. And yet it is many in the church that are split over this. Um, from your perspective, and again, you deal with so many people in this in this space, um, doing the work that you do. Why are so many Christians divided over this issue of marriage? And we could push aside transgenderism and and all the other gender issues, but particularly this one, homosexual marriage, uh, same sex marriage. Why is this such a divisive issue for Christians? Well, you know, I think there's a a deeper problem in in the church that kind of goes back to the late 80s uh, in in there. And there was this, you probably heard it before, there's a seeker-driven movement in the church. And the church became focused, not that the church hasn't always been focused, but the church became focused on the lost within the church rather than the lost outside of the church. Mm. And, and, you know, my personal opinion, and if you read the father uh, of that movement was Bill Hybels, and if you read Bill Hybels' letter, Bill Hybels said himself, they didn't create disciples, they just created fans for for Jesus, people who were kind of light in their Christian. And that kind of seeker-driven movement is a... It's really the Bible talks about this. You know, Paul talked about it to Timothy. There's a time coming when when people are going to preach to tickle the ears of the listeners. And that's really what this, this kind of movement's about. People are more concerned about people's temporal state, you know, in, rather than their eternal state. And the church hasn't taken that really serious, that eternal state serious. Um, and I think that's been a big issue of what's divided this. And, and you understand a bit when you have close, w- with the growth of this, when you have close family members or friends or people you know that have been, you know, enticed into the homosexual movement, then it becomes a, a, a personal issue. Yeah. And, and too many people haven't separated that. Yeah, we, we need to become much better. I, I talk often about the compassion argument, and it seems to be that's the argument we make for everything is, well, we love people and we care about people, and we should love and care for people, but we cannot accept the sin that pervades, particularly as God has said, we need to uh, stay away from those things, come out and be separate, and yet we're bringing that into the church and accepting it. Um Let's get to this particular issue, the Respect for Marriage Act. Can you give us an overview of what it actually does? And I know that the flowery talk is, well, this just gives same-sex couples 
you know, legal rights to be married and whatever. What does this actually do? What does this act actually do? Or, or what does it do that wasn't already present? Maybe that's a better question. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really good question because it doesn't really do anything that wasn't already present. You know, the Supreme Court, the Ogre felt ruling that struck down the Defense for Marriage Act, um, uh, really gave same-sex couples the right to to get married. There's been a couple of federal statutes that have already been put in place in the in the federal uh, system that gave all of the rights to same sex couples, and that's pretty much I think without exception been adopted across all fifty states. And states recognize that, and and same sex marriage was legalized there. So so you're saying what we're saying here? There's a situation that this act supposedly addressed that didn't exist. In the fact that same-sex couples were getting denied, you know, marriage rights, married benefits, or whatever. Now, it came about because of the Dobbs decision, yeah. and that's the decision, the pro-life decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. There were those in the homosexual community that argued and said, if Roe v. Wade can be overturned, Ogerfeld can be overturned, and this issue could go back, and the, and the states could decide individually whether or not there were same-sex marriages. The thing about that is, there's no case going through the court system right now um, challenging o- Ogerfeld, yeah. so that wasn't going to happen. So, so in, in a surface, what they say this act does is it codifies into federal law, as you said, the fact that same-sex marriages are allowed and that states have to recognize, each of the states has to recognize those across the other states. So that the if the Supreme Court was even to overturn Ogerfeld, this law would be in place to still ensure uh, that that was in place. So that's at the surface what it does. But... If you go a little deeper into it, there's some nefarious sort of parts of it that not only does it codify that, but it kind of broadly codifies that. They try to say that there's exceptions for religious organizations or religious conscience um, in there, but it really allows for, for... provisions in there for anybody who's non-affirming, that means you don't affirm, you know, that it's okay to have a same-sex marriage, that people have a a right, what's called a right to action, a right to bring action, in this case, some sort of court or civil case against those organizations. And that was what was argued on uh, Tuesday with the amendments that were being um, proposed to add to the bill. There were three amendments that uh, conservatives, religious organizations wanted to add to the bill that would have codified in there the right of religious organizations to have their freedom of conscience of what they defined marriage as. And so that's the major concern with the bill. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. 
MyPillow is excited to announce the original My Slippers are back in stock, just in time for the holidays. Last Christmas, you made our slippers the number one selling MyPillow product, and now they have added smaller sizes, larger sizes, wide sizes, and all new colors. What makes My Slippers different is the exclusive four layer design that you're not going to find in any other slipper. My Slippers' patented layers make them ultra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help relieve the stress on your feet from all the running around this holiday. Wear them anytime, anywhere, and save $90 off with promo code SITREP. That's only $49.98 a pair. You'll absolutely love my slippers. And now they're also extending their 60-day money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2023, making them the best Christmas gifts ever. So go to MyPillow.com and use code SITREP or call 1-800-870-0283. Use promo code SITREP to save $90 on the original my slippers that's only 49.98 a pair quantities won't last long so please order now um as you look at this and you know there's probably fear on both sides at least fear that's moving this on both sides um as someone who cares about the church and as someone who cares about christian businesses we've seen lawsuits already i, I think the supreme court just ruled on one last week and um said that a business had the right to decide who they would do business with this could change some of that um, will it change that, I guess, is, is kind of the simplest way to get to it. And, and what can businesses, what can churches in particular uh, do to protect themselves against being required by law to do things that violate, violate their conscience before God? Well, a, a few things they can do. And actually, there's a, there's a case that's coming up that will be argued next week uh, at the court, it's the 303 creative case being right. argued by the Alliance Defending Freedom. And this right. is where a web designer in Colorado, you know, didn't want to design websites, marriage websites for, for same-sex weddings. So that, ca that case is going to be argued before the, the court next week. Be, we'll get the decision sometime in the spring uh, for that case. And, and hopefully, if that case goes the right way, that will protect you know, non kind of Christian businesses, it'll create those kind of entrepreneur businesses that they do have a right to conscience yeah. Yeah. Uh, for that. But the the other side of it, as you said, you asked the question, first of all, religious organizations meet, need to make sure that they have really solid statement of face put in place that outline what their opinion is and what their um, uh, um uh, beliefs are on marriage, and so that that's just solid in place. So, so that that, that organizations can't come in and say you're wishy washy on this. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing, but there's not much with this bill beyond that that we don't that they can do other than step back and wait to see if any litigation is going to come because that right to. Uh, action there really is that what we were worried about and what we're worried about down the road here is a bunch of, you know, frivolous lawsuits, you know, tying organizations up in these lawsuits um, that you have to then work through the courts and the courts are ultimately going to decide this. And it's interesting. I'm going to read you something here. So when Senator Langford proposed his amendment on Tuesday, you know, and his amendment would have would have taken out this sort of right to action or it would have limited it so that religious organizations were fully covered under the law, which the left kept saying was in there. So if it's in there, why do you care if yeah. we 
put it yeah. in writing. Yeah. And 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 Tammy uh, Baldwin, Senator Tammy Baldwin, uh, she was one of the sponsors for this bill. She's from, uh, I believe, from Wisconsin. She made this statement after Langford proposed his amendments, and I, I'm going to read this to you. She said Senator Langford's amendment would eliminate the only practical recourse for same-sex and interracial couples to protect marriage under the Respect for Marriage Act. Mm. Well, if the act itself protects the marriage, if it requires states to recognize marriage, what do same-sex couples need recourse from? Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's the provision that's in there. And she kind of spells it out. She's kind of, we, we think, or I think she really, you know, let the left's hand out there that this really is going to be used as kind of a sledgehammer to silence the church. I mean, they really, the, the one opposition to same-sex marriage that's left in culture is the church. It's mainly the evangelical church. Yep. The, yep. The, the church out there is the one opposition. It's the only area they haven't been able to, to silence. And I, we really look at this act as a potential um, to be the persecution of the church, the tool used to, to make us all quiet on this issue. You either become affirming or we're going to come after you. Yep. Um, you may not know the answer to this, but why did the Mormon church come out in support of this? That was, to me, pretty startling. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, we're at a strange, such a strange place in our culture. Uh, one of the, the things that you have done in your career is advise pastors, counsel pastors, teach pastors. Um, if you had a room full of pastors in front of you right now, what would your advice be to them as they come into the pulpit on Sunday, as they continue to lead their churches? Uh, I think a lot of pastors will say, well, clearly we're against that, but we're not going to say anything. We'll just see how it all plays out. What would your advice be to them? Yeah, I talk to a lot of pastors all the time, and, and we tell pastors, you know, don't be afraid to speak up on the issues. Uh, one of NRB's roles is to advocate for pastors who are communicators you know everybody's a kind of we're the national religious broadcaster association but everybody's a broadcaster today um you know covid drove every church on the the internet (laughs) you know uh, out there we tell pastors don't be afraid to speak up you don't have to be a cultural warrior every sunday in the pulpit nobody's asking you to do that but 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 people are asking and the bible does call us to really address the full counsel of god and to address biblical issues people and, and plus People in the congregations today, my wife and I happen to teach a young adults class in our church. They're looking for answers for these yes, questions. That's right. They want answers. They want to talk about them. Sometimes pastors feel like their congregation doesn't want to get political or talk about these. But if we really do love our neighbors, if we really do shepherd, want to shepherd our flocks well, then we have to shepherd them through the issues that are relevant for today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, man, that's such... That's so wise. And I feel like if we could make the case for these things, 
then we wouldn't allow those who are outside of the church to uh, take over the con- uh, the conversation, which they have. They've, they've taken the narrative and they've run with it, and now the rest of us are trying to catch up. Uh, what can normal, I say normal in quotes, cr- Christian people do? People who aren't Christian leaders, perhaps, but they're Christians, uh, their parents, they go to jobs, but obviously this will impact them as well, and certainly their children and their grandchildren. What should they be doing right now? Again, I, I say the same thing to those folks, too. Uh, talk about it as families. Talk about these issues around the dinner table. Um, you know, it used to be back when we were growing up and when my wife and I were raising kids that these these conversations were considered to be high school age or college age conversations. Well, today they're middle school conversations and they're elementary school conversations. So talk to your families about this. Talk to your kids. Talk to your relatives. Don't don't be afraid. And, And really in society today, I think the left is really pushing us to be afraid to live our faith out in public. Yes, Don't be afraid right. to live our faith out in, in public. That's the, the real thing we need to do. And last, this is a spiritual war. We know this is a spiritual warfare yeah. here. Be in prayer for your leaders. Uh, be in prayer for those who, uh, your pastors, those who are leading your local communities, your school boards, uh, for elected officials across. Please, please, please be in prayer for people. That's great. Uh, man, so much good there. This is a difficult time culturally, as I mentioned, but in a lot of ways, I think this is the time we need as Christians. We've we've been ignoring these issues for so long, and it's time for us to confront them and deal with them and think clearly on these issues. Um, before I let you go, I, I have to ask you to talk about NRB um, and the work of NRB. A lot of folks listening may not may not know. Um, we're on the Salem Network, of course, and so huge supporters of uh, NRB. Uh, it's crazy. So last. This year, um, I went to a CPAC conference, and uh, we did some some interviewing there and did some things there. And it was awesome. It was super exciting, and it was it was crazy. Like It was just like something to behold, right? And then two weeks later, I uh, went to NRB in Tennessee, and I, I, CPAC was great. I'm going to get in trouble probably for saying this, but it was like a breath of fresh air going into NRB. It was the craziest thing. Like, like these are our people. <laughs> you could breathe. And relax, and uh, we had such a great time there. Um, the work of NRB is, is is absolutely amazing, but it's it's essential. Can you talk about that for a little bit uh, for those who may not understand what you do and why you do it? Sure, thank you for that opportunity. You know, NRB is an association of Christian. Uh, we call it an association of Christian communicators. Um, anybody who's in communications in media today, which, like I said, is pretty wide because there are yeah. uh, it started back 78 years ago when Christians wanted to get on radio. And uh, oh, there wow. was a group that said, hey, we're going to control what Christians can be on radio or not on radio. Um, and they said, no, time out. There's this is a free country. And they in uh, at Moody Church in Chicago, they formed NRB. And NRB has been advocating uh, for the rights of Christian communicators to be communicators in the public sector, uh, to be out there. So that's pastors who want to be on radio and television, people like you who want to do podcasts, folks that want to blog, book publishers, filmmakers, anybody who's out there in the Christian uh, media world, whatever God's called you to do, if you're using media to do it, NRB's out there to advocate on your behalf to make sure that those airwaves and digital airwaves stay open for you to do it. And then secondly, 
we're also a big family. You know, the Bible tells us iron sharpens iron. Yep. So NRB annually convenes a, a convention every year of all these Christian broadcasters, communicators, program producers, um, uh, authors, all of these folks get together. And it's a it's a really big networking function where you can get together with like-minded people, get encouraged about what's going on, find uh, help for whatever ministry you're doing that God's called you to or find like-minded ministries that you can partner with. And that's what NRB has been, been about. And we hold, as you can tell, we've worked very hard to hold very to the orthodox view of Christianity here. Um, so many Christian organizations are, are really moving progressive or left. They're, they're really trying to appease people rather than stay faithful to God. How has NRB main, maintained that? This is one of the interesting things as I look at uh, at NRB is, you know, there's such a diversity of of communicators, as you mentioned, that are involved um, from writers and podcasters and, you know, everything. It, it was crazy to, to meet the people who are at the convention. It was unbelievable and a, a, lot, a lot of fun. We speak a common language, right? And the common language is communicate truth to the world. Um, but how have you as an organization maintained that? I Honestly, I did not expect that. I expected it to be pretty, um, I don't know what the word is, but but moving left, if you will. I don't know, more of the seeker idea. And it wasn't that at all. It was very, very orthodox, very centered. How do you maintain that? Well, we have been blessed, I think, with some great leadership in our board of directors and our executive committee uh, that has guided NRB over the years. We've just been really blessed with some faithful servants to God there, uh, people who have really seen this shift in the culture and resisted it instead of trying to, to ride the wave. They've really, you know, moved away and said, no, we're, we're staying solid where we're at. That's the first and foremost. I have to give the credit to, to the folks that have really guided this organization from a board of directors and from the executive committee. We put a number of what we sort of call firewalls in place. We have a very solid uh, statement of faith for, for NRB. Uh, we hold very true. We have a code of ethics that we adhere to that are out on our website that you can look at. Um, but as Dr. Kennedy used to say and a lot say, you know, we hold on those core issues, but also we know that there's a wider set of issues that we um, have not gotten, you know, sort of locked into. So we deal with, like you said, in the media world, we deal with all kinds of folks, everybody right, from right. different forms of medium. But I also have to work every day with uh, <laughs> Baptists and Presbyterians and yeah. Pentecostals and, yeah. and Assembly of God folks and non-denominational and different folks. But I think the folks we've been blessed to, to work with um, really respect that. And, and we really saw that last year at the NRB conference. One of the things we worked really hard uh, about was this idea of unity that we there are issues we can come together on and and you know Jesus when he left and he talked to the apostles you know John gives us that great discourse in those chapters 14 through you know 16 17 there of Jesus in the upper room and he talks so much about you know us being in unity uh, together there and I, I, that's just the kind of spirit we work hard to hold together without compromising our biblical fidelity. Uh, Troy, where can people find out more about you and NRB and the work that uh, you all are doing? Thank you. Thanks for having me today and all the work that you do.
Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Troy Miller, thank you so much. Appreciate the work that you do and uh, your clarity on this issue and uh, praying that uh, Christian folks will stand up against some of these um, really unnecessarily divisive issues. The Bible's very clear on them. So thank you for your voice. Thank you for what you do. And uh, it's been great talking to you. Yes, sir. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Someone will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD. You know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know it. they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like, <laughs> I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed uh, social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went. And I'm glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. So grateful for Troy and him uh, being willing to come on and talk to us about this issue, other issues. I, I hope that we can have him come on and speak into in the future, but uh, this is so important. Wherever you fall on this, <laughs> you need to spend some time understanding what the Bible says about marriage, what the Bible says about the family, and how we should proceed even as culture is changing on these issues. And uh, man, if you are a pastor, a Christian leader, a ministry leader, speak on these issues. Provide clarity to those who are listening to you. If you are a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, uh, you have others that you can influence in your life. Take the time to influence, to give grounding, and to give direction. And uh, grateful for Troy and him being willing to talk to us about this today. If you are listening to this podcast and you have not yet subscribed, please do that now. Go ahead and subscribe. Uh, that, of course, lets you know as soon as new episodes come out a couple times a week. We are pushing those to you. Make sure you're subscribed and then share this content out with others. Conversations like this 
need to be heard by as many people as you know. So share this content out with them. It's not hard to do. Take some time also to go over to YouTube. You can find our channel, The Situation Report. This and other great uh, interviews can be found there. And I'd love for you to subscribe, hit that notification bell. And again, insert yourself (laughs) into the conversations we're having with these great guests. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. Look forward to talking to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.